me ask you to turn back in your worship guide to Psalm 131 that we read together. This was a psalm in our church's Lenten devotional on Tuesday morning, and it stuck with me for the week. I want you to listen to it again and follow along with me. O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. In one of the emails that went to our church this week, I included a link to an interview with Francis Collins, the director for the National Institutes of Health. And the interview included his testimony of conversion from atheism to Christian faith. And this happened while he was in medical school. Collins had already received his PhD remarkably in his first year of medical school. He was clearly a bright man. He was working at the highest levels of science and medicine. But he began to find himself at the bedside of the dying, people for whom science had no solution. And as he says, these were people who had led relatively simple lives, lives that were devoted to their faith and their service of others. And as he imagined himself in their situation, he says that he felt terrified. But strangely, they were at peace. Some of them were even joyful, he says. One of them, an elderly lady uh, with whom he grew close, he says that she reminded him of his own grandmother. He says she challenged him, saying, you've listened to me talk about my faith, but you never say anything. What do you believe? He says this was a turning point for him. He eventually came to see that his own high-minded rejections of God were just a smokescreen. And he eventually surrendered to God in faith. Now, this story from Collins of him encountering God in the simple human reality of death. It's similar to me to the theme of Psalm 131. Again, O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now, it's not as if the Psalms avoid lofty subjects. You know, he says at the beginning, I, I don't concern myself with things too high for me. They don't at all avoid lofty subjects. They, even, they ask God, why is it that the wicked often seem to get away with their wickedness and the righteous seem to get the raw end of the deal? They venture into national and global politics where the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain against God. But here in Psalm 131, they come down to ground level, to the topic of you and me, before God. In moments like we're living in right now, today, when the world is swirling in chaos all around us, 
The tendency is to move toward big questions and to look for heroic acts. We, we might ask, what's going to happen? What's God going to do? Who's going to save the day? Now, some of us, truthfully, are more tempted toward trivial hopes. It's all going to turn around. The stock market's going to bounce back. And those things may well happen. But I think if there's anything God wants of us right now, as important as heroic acts will be, God wants us to start with what this psalm teaches us, to calm and quiet our souls before him like a child with its mother and to learn to hope only in him. You know, at nearly every other moment in our lives, while we do to some degree put our hope in God, a lot of us simultaneously hope in things that are peripheral to God, a savings account, a reliable health system that we can fall back on if things go awry. But in this moment, we need to gather up all the other places that we've put our hope and put them solely in God, who provides all good things. It's not as if the good health system is bad, but that's provided by God and dependent on God. John Hay sent me something this week with a quote from Blaise Pascal, who was a Francis Collins-like figure from the 1600s. Pascal said then that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Let me read that again. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Alone, meaning without even a phone, as Dr. Seuss would put it. I couldn't help but see that that looks too much like a Dr. Seuss saying. Now, if that held any truth then for when Pascal was living, how much more does it hold now for us? The most heroic acts, those that have the most lasting impact in our society, in our world, are not going to come from a frantic running to and fro but from those of us who are able to rise out of a quiet, filled soul to do meaningful service to others in the name of Christ. During this unusual season, do not waste the opportunity to calm your soul and to focus your hope on God. The image that's come to my mind repeatedly this week is a hurricane. A hurricane is a swirling chaos, just like our world is right now. From the U.S. to China to Italy to our brothers and sisters in Uganda and Rwanda who are especially concerned that their already fragile countries are again going to be quickly ravaged. But at the center of every hurricane, in the eye, as it's called, is a place of remarkable stillness. And this is a place that nature can speak and teach us because this is what it means to live in God's presence in the midst of the world. It isn't to ignore the hurricane of life that's around us or to pretend there's not a hurricane going on. It's to live within all of it, but rooted in the unshakable presence of God. Now, taking that image further, how can we live in the eye of the hurricane without getting pulled into the swirl 
itself. Again, we're not to ignore the hurricane around us. There is a growing possibility that our community is going to be overwhelmed with sickness. We must pray against this, but it is a growing possibility. There's a growing possibility of seeing more death. We should pray against this, but it is a growing possibility. There's a growing likelihood of long-term economic fallout. We should pray against this and work against it, but it's a growing possibility. To see the winds around us, to even feel them, how are we not to be consumed by them? This is a difficult thing. And the only way is to be rooted in God's presence through Jesus Christ. We're told in the book of Ephesians that Jesus, through Jesus Christ, we have been seated with God in the heavenly places. This is a stable place. This is the eye of the hurricane, whereas there's a calm in the midst of the storm. I was telling Katie last night how God had been speaking to me through Psalm 131 through the week, and I was asking her thoughts about it. She had just come from putting Evangeline back to bed. Evangeline had woken up screaming, and it was one of those moments where she just wasn't settling down. And so as Katie and I were talking about this, I read her the psalm about quieting our soul like a weaned child with its mother. I wasn't trying to settle Katie down. I was just asking her thoughts. And after I read the psalm, she said that since Evangeline wasn't settling down, she took her into the living room with her and she just lay down on the couch. And while Evangeline had been screaming for five minutes or more, as soon as Katie laid on the couch with her, Evangeline stopped crying. That image of a mother with a child, of a child that comes to complete rest because of the comfort of the mother. It's a picture of our souls with God through the work of Christ. As we heard in the book of Isaiah, the prophet, Jesus the Messiah became for us a man of sorrows. He walked the valley of humanity's darkness and despair so that we could be restored to God. Our gospel reading from the book of Matthew is a glimpse of Jesus walking in the valley with us. So at the beginning of Matthew chapter 8, we didn't hear this part, but the beginning of that chapter, Jesus touches a leper. A person who had been isolated by sickness and doomed to die alone, much like many have been today because of coronavirus. Jesus restores this man to the land of the living. And he then heals others who are sick. Matthew says, this is what was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. It's actually remarkable to me because Isaiah, instead of saying illnesses and diseases, he says griefs and sorrows. But you know, in that language, illnesses and diseases were the same thing as griefs and sorrows. They were so commonly associated that the words were interchangeable. In taking our illnesses and our diseases, Jesus is also taking on our griefs and our sorrows. Now, this is not recorded in the Gospels as a one-off event. 
As if we're to read it and see it as a one-time historical reality that they got to receive the benefits of, but not us. Jesus is still present to us by the Holy Spirit right now. And we are still to ask him that he would take our illnesses and bear our diseases right now. Our griefs and our sorrows right now. We're to pray during this time that Jesus would do this powerfully for us and for others who are sick. This is one thing that Christians are called to do is to ask that Christ would show his glory by bringing healing to people. And we're to expect that in some cases he will bring healing. A bishop in the Anglican Church of North America, South Carolina, he was experiencing a very high fever and on a ventilator even Friday night because of the coronavirus. And as of yesterday morning, he's beginning to experience a recovery. We should pray for people who are in this situation. We should pray that God's glory and power will be revealed through healing. And we're to trust that in other cases, where there isn't an immediate healing, where people die, that Christ is still the man of sorrows, that he walks with us in the valley to bring us near to God, and he will have victory over death. Christ brings us into the arms of God so that we would begin to experience a quietness even while the storms rage around us. This doesn't mean there won't be much work to do. Quietness does not mean being active in some way. We must be prepared to work hard, possibly still in quiet ways like prayer, patience, and endurance. But we must also be ready at any moment to rise up, to do what God would have us to do for our community or for our neighbors in need. In the meantime, what I think God is calling Church of the Lamb to is to start by quieting our souls before him and putting all our hopes in him by committing ourselves to hope in him and to cling to Christ who came to walk this valley with us so that we could be seated with him in the heavenly places with the Father so that we can live in this world in this hurricane that is often our life out of a place of deep faith and trust that there will be a day when death will be no more and the new creation will consume all of evil, evil and all the sadness in the world. And until that day, we hope in God forever and ever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.